You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What's up, my dude? Hey, man. That was different. That was surprisingly and disappointingly generic. It was generic, but it was conversationally so. I had a training instructor in the Air Force Mm -hmm. who once told me that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Oh, hold on. Let's back up. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So slow is fast. (laughs) You do realize the if this, then that scenario is not helpful. Uh, That's right. Correct. We were, we were, we were being instructed how to handle, you know, M4s and M16s and. Okay, so, so if you're dealing with dangerous things, slow yeah. might as well yeah. be fast. Yeah, you don't want to be like, no. you know, C4, frantically. C4, slow is fast. Yeah, you want to you just make sure you get that right. You know, smooth. That's the whole thing, smooth. And maybe that opening was smooth, but it was disappointingly you generic. You know, within the context, I regret making fun of him. That. <laughs> because it does make sense in the context. Context matters, people. Context matters. Whoa. Segue. Which is a great segue because context matters when you're doing what, Ethan? When you're reading the Bible. The Bible. Don't know why I said it like that either, man. It's a rough, <laughs> gonna be a rough day for right. our listeners. No, for real. The new year is approaching. Yeah, it is. 2019. Oh, 2018 sakes. came and went. It did. 2018 was pretty good year. It was extremely good. Lots of cool stuff happened. We launched resources, articles, podcasts. Lots of cool stuff happened at the church. Lots of cool stuff happened in our lives. Very true. A good year. It was a good year. Dang. Kind of frightening to think that 2019 is already here. It is. I think this is the one of the first years in a while. And maybe this is because of my age, the way I process things. But and that sounds like I'm like, oh, because I'm old. No, I mean because <laughs> because I'm not a, like a child. I, that's really I'm not trying to be like, oh yeah, and I was there when the Beatles were on. <laughs> The Ed Sullivan show. No, that's not what I'm saying, right? I just mean like at this point in my life, I have like normal human anxieties. Yes. So in that light, I think this is one of the first years I can look back and be like, there were some really, really good things. Yeah. And I'm really satisfied with where it brought me. Yeah. It was a good year. It's been good. Go 2018. You were, you were, you were just all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty better than that. Yeah. Pretty better than that is what I, was, I just said. <laughs> I was, uh, again, to reference things that nobody cares about that old song jesus is still all right with oh goodness me. that's like that's dc talk yeah yeah and i think they were redoing it from someone else someone but else i think it. the but og song is just just yeah yeah that's yeah. right they were like oh we're gonna switch it because we're cool and edgy <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh dc talk you know, this is kind of a sacrilegious, blasphemous joke, but they were like the the holy trinity of uh, Christian, you know, hip hop back in the day. Back you know then, what I mean? Yeah, they were quite they a pedestal. Were the, they were the scene. Jesus freak. What will people? But uh, yeah, what people say. Anyway, 2018 is coming and gone, and 2019 <laughs> is almost here. It is here, which means that most of us are probably thinking about what we want to do in 2019. Hopefully, I'm that's not. a good thing to think about, man. Except for Ethan, he's just like, come, come, what may? Gotta, gotta. <clears throat> what am I trying to say? Marinate, saturate, Marinade, enjoy mar- the remainder. You know, there are many things I'm still looking forward to, and the, the small amount of time we have left. No, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just gonna enjoy them. You're marinating in the remainder of 2018. Yeah, that's. that's I like regret a that piece of chicken. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ethan the marinating. I'm just going to stare you down. <laughs> With this, I'm not actually happy to have gone down this tangent. Smile. Oh, golly. I'm taking advantage of every opportunity I can. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, 2019 is coming right around the corner. With that comes resolutions, aspirations, whatever yeah. the case may be for yeah. you. Maybe, you know, you're edgy like I was seven <laughs> years ago. I was like, resolutions are stupid. I'm not doing that. I'm still there. Um, you know, it's okay. like whatever. Here's the point. A new year is a natural starting point for potential true. new habits, yeah. new disciplines, new plans. You don't have to call it a resolution right. if you're just feeling that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do whatever you want. You call I, it a revolution. Yeah, revolution. A new year revolution. Whoa. <laughs> way cooler. <laughs> for many of us, particularly if you call Horizons Church home, mm-hmm. you've been part of the Christian faith for X amount of time, part of your new year plan probably, maybe, even hopefully, is thinking through how you're going to approach your Bible reading in 2019. And I think we've all been here. Let me share a scenario that may sound familiar. It's the beginning of a new year. You think to yourself, I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year. I'm going to do it. Cover to cover, baby. Getting through the whole thing. And so you start on January 1 in the book of Genesis. You have it all laid out so you know how much you got to read every day mm-hmm. to get to the end of the Bible by the end of the year. And you make it through Genesis and it's pretty smooth sailing. Yeah. Genesis is interesting. It's okay. Lots of fun stuff in there. Origin stories. Yeah. Then you get into Exodus and the first half of Exodus is really exciting. Oh boy. Really cool. Plagues and Egypt and Movie deliverance. Yeah. Prince of Egypt. Am I right? Am boy, I right? Holla. But then in the second half of Exodus, you get to the part of the book that they didn't put in the Prince of Egypt. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you're because saying. Because then you get the covenant and the law. Yeah. And about that time, things start not only perhaps slowing down in mm-hmm. your mind as far as like, man, this is not quite what I was expecting true. as I was reading through Genesis and Exodus, but also things begin picking up in your own life. Correct. Very true. You get busy with work projects mm-hmm. that you weren't ready for. Personal things happen in your life. Next thing you know, you're a day or two behind in your reading. Oh, just a day or two. Just a day or two. Not a huge deal, nah. but- Then you get into Leviticus. Oh, gosh. Next thing you know, you're slogging through every category of the law you could think of. And next thing you know, you're four or five days behind. Oh, no. Four or five. Four or five. (laughs) There is no hope. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we've all been there. Like, you get to that point and it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know, pick up and read a couple sections here or there. And a great aspiration is shot down while it is yet still basically a fetus. <laughs> Could have said like in the crib, in the, in the crib, cradle. In the cradle. <laughs> no. We're not, just going for the visceral not imagery. On this podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's not ideal. That's not fun. Nobody likes to do that. When they your sales. Yeah, like it is. And then like you lose that momentum for other things. I mean, then that applies to a number of disciplines and goals yeah. and aspirations that we set for ourselves in the new year. But I think especially for Christians, it can be kind of disappointing oh, yeah. when you're thinking like, man, I want to be reading this. I've experienced this it. even recently. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, but in the interest of bolstering the content yes. here, I've encountered this with Advent material. Oh, yes. I'm like, so oh, I'm going to spend money on these cool Advent print material things that I've seen produced and, you know, that, that interest me. And then here I am a day or two behind. I'm <laughs> yeah. you explaining what has happened to me just this <laughs> very month. And I'm like... Not only have I gotten behind on that, as a result, I've gotten behind on other, like, reading for fun things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Yeah. I'm in a pit. In a pit. I'm drowning here. Please give me. <laughs> I'm being dramatic, but it's also very true. I am Jeremiah in the well, and I need you to pull me out. Please. Please. So, uh, this is, this rings very true. Yeah. So, in the interest of 
that pursuit, mm-hmm. reading scripture. I've actually had a couple conversations of um, recent memory that had to do with how do I actually get through this? Like, how do I how do I get myself in a place where it becomes feasible yeah. to actually read through the Bible in a year. Sure. That's the particular context of the conversation I'm having. It doesn't have to be necessarily the whole Bible in a year, but we just thought it'd be fun and interesting to share some tips with you, some practical helps as you're preparing for 2019 and maybe thinking through how you want to approach reading scripture. Before we get too far into that, though, I do want to say that I'm going to be offering these from the assumption that you take the Bible to be something you should be reading in. Um, that, you know, that's something you're going to fall flat if you don't. Like if you don't hold the Bible as the word of God breathed out by God, then okay, this will not be a humble conversation for you. Wrong podcast. (laughs) I'm taking it that there's a presupposition within you that believes that. You're listening to the Horizons Church podcast. Podcast, yes. Yes, We can correct. Yes. And I will very, very briefly argue in favor of reading through the Bible systematically within a year. Okay. As opposed to just picking it up and being like, oh, what am I going to read tonight? Eh, maybe I'll read some James. I'm pretty bad at that. Nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, I would rather you do that than not read it. Nothing, yeah. Exactly. But the benefits you get from reading through the whole Bible systematically in a year, particularly with the kind of reading plans that I'm going to personally suggest, are that it breaks up longer sections into manageable bits because that's another problem. Like you start running into these long sections and, you know, like Leviticus or Numbers. I mean, even the way we've talked about it on the creative commentary, the just these the oversight that that we provide no, <laughs> that you know we get we get into talking about and how we draw out these segments that actually makes it even just from that bird's eye perspective easier to digest right yeah exactly so it makes it easier to digest and you will also if you read it like this you will get a better picture that's been my experience and anybody that I've spoken with anecdotally you will get a much better and clearer picture of the whole story of God's plan for redemption Mm. from the beginning to the end. Because at the same time that you're reading Genesis chapter 3 about the fall and God's promise to send an offspring to deal with evil, you may also be reading in the Gospel of Matthew about the birth of Jesus and Herod's attempt to try to kill him. And you're seeing how all this lines up and you're getting a better picture of, oh, here's how the Old Testament fits into the New Testament. And here's how these prophecies made sense in their original context and in their New Testament context. It's very helpful. And it, it does give you time in those sections of those books that you might otherwise just never go to if you're picking up a Bible and saying, I'll read in James tonight. Like, realistically, there are probably sections of Ezekiel you will never read if you do that. (laughs) And Ezekiel has some crazy stuff in it, It really does. Some crazy stuff. I like the crazy stuff. Um, I mean, also, I think we've probably mentioned this a few times, but it's just one of those bizarre details that I love coming back to, and I'll beat the crap out of it. But how often will you read the book of Jude? If you're just picking it up. And Jude, you're like reading about, oh, Satan and Michael casually arguing over the body of Moses. I mean, if you're me, you're reading plan revolves around those weird things. (laughs) I'm like, oh, Tuesday night? I guess we're going to read the same account because it's wild. Yeah. I love that. crazy. So those are a couple very brief reasons I would argue it's a good idea to think about reading through the whole Bible systematically beginning to end. So to that effect, here are some tips in no particular order, that I think would be helpful as you think through how to engage your Bible reading in 2019. The first thing is I think you should probably pick a consistent time that you know you're going to read. Because we do this with a lot of things in our lives, all right? We calendar things out. Yeah. You, so you have a unique work situation. I do. You have office hours where you're mm-hmm. on site at our Lost Creek campus. Mm-hmm. 
and you have offsite hours, mm-hmm. right? And you know during those hours what you're doing, right? Yeah. So you have a, a pretty clear picture. That time is set apart right. to do those things. Mm-hmm. And you do freelance. I do that as well, as well right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, how do you... Well, I think actually it's going to get a little bit of a tangent here, but it means just the way our work week works. It means every single week is very different for me. And that's one of my favorite things. But Mm -hmm. it also means I have to prioritize and plan around the hours that are set in stone. Yeah. So like our big Monday and Mm -hmm. things like that where I know I'm going to be plugged in on a regular and dependable basis. And I kind of work around that, the time-sensitive projects, and plug that in around and before so I make sure that the important critical things are done first um, and just kind of work around based on a priority list yep. and then um, work with the time that I have remaining. So I just kind of have to plan ahead. And frankly, if I don't, I can't live with the anxiety. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so out of yeah. necessity. Yeah. I find that those same principles are helpful when we think through Bible reading. And uh-huh. that was kind of like what flipped it for me is realizing, okay, if I think you know, this is the word of God and I want to be reading it, I take a similar approach to when I do my Bible reading and I make that, here's personally, you do not have to do this, right? Because I think there was this kind of mantra in evangelical culture for all. It's like, you know, you need to be doing your quiet time in the morning, first thing when you uh, wake up. Yeah. No, that is not. That's not that's good not for law. me. Paul was preaching into the hours of midnight True. and David was up in the morning praying. And I mean, there's, you see examples of Both ends of the spectrum. So all that to say is that whatever it is, have a time when you know, this is what I have blocked out for Mm, my scripture reading, just like you would calendar anything else. I happen to do mine in the morning, typically. I try to be disciplined about that, especially Advent month is always crazy (laughs) because there's so many extra things. That and Easter, the month leading up to Easter gets extra crazy with things. But generally, I try to make that. I get up, I get ready for the day, and I make a cup of coffee, and I'm like, this is my time to read. I'm not worried about anything else. I don't even have my phone in the room. I'm like, I'm doing this. Mm. Having that consistent time built in as a ritual is very helpful, which is another thing I think we as Western Americans sometimes get freaked out about. It's like this whole idea of ritual. Ritual's bad. It makes it, it yeah. empties, you know, it empties us of, you like know. that the fear that it becomes rote? Yeah. And, well, that's a whole other podcast episode <laughs> because they're whole. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, point being. All of that was to say, have a consistent time when you know you're going to do it. That's going to be super helpful mm. when you're like, okay, I'm going to set aside 20, 30 minutes just to be reading, yeah. going through my Bible reading plan. Having a consistent time, I think, is a huge help. And a lot of people, I don't think, consider that in their schedules. So yeah. that's the first thing I say is pick a consistent time. The second part, which is kind of the foundational piece of all of this, is pick a plan that will get you through the whole Bible bit by bit, but with grace days built into it. Oh, yeah. That is a game changer because here's the realistic thing. We have lofty aspirations to read sure. the Bible in a year and we pick a plan because you can you can Google Bible reading plans. The Bible app version has a whole slew of Bible reading plans, great plans that will get you through the whole Bible in a year and they'll do it section by section. So mm-hmm. like you'll be reading, for instance, the plan that I use at the beginning of the year, it'll have me reading parts of Genesis, the Psalms, Gospels, and then one of the epistles. Okay. Just little sections from each one. And I read those in sequence. You can find all kinds of good plans like that. But here's the thing. Most of those plans are built in such a way that they have you reading something every day. Mm. Okay? Which, okay, in an ideal world, I would say we all do that. Right? We don't live in an ideal world. All right? (laughs) You don't say. Um, You miss a day or two or three. And next thing you know. You're in trouble. Realistically, we just, we get distraught about that. Mm -hmm. We don't continue forward with the plan. It gets disabling. Yeah. It becomes this very... That uh, you said, you know, takes the wind out of your sails, kind of an effect. 
So what I really encourage you to do is to find a plan that has some grace days built into it. And what I mean by that is it has days built into the reading plan where there are no scheduled readings, and it will still get you through the mm-hmm. entire Bible, even with those grace days. So just to plug the plan that I use, I use a plan called the Discipleship Reading Plan. I've used it for four or five years. I've read through the whole Bible, cover to cover, for four or five years now, successfully. That's impressive. Because, all right, now I try, you know, I'm, I try to be, because I'm a pastor, and that's another thing. But when you're a pastor, of course you want to like, read the Bible. I'm like, no, it's still a discipline issue. Um, but I try, you know, I want to be reading scripture every mm-hmm. day. There are some like Advent month where it's like, oh, like I, I dropped the ball on this one this yeah. week, right? You know? <laughs> um, so this plan, the discipleship Bible reading plan has Anywhere from five to six grace days built in each month. Oh, really? Yes. That that is more than a weekly mm-hmm. basis. That's really yes. cool. So at the beginning of the year, I'm typically you know very strong and uh, have a good start. I'll get through that, and I I have those grace days. I read other things during those grace days. Yeah. That's that's time to you know delve into something else devotionally. And then when things get crazy, things kick up, I miss a couple of days. I have those grace days. I'm not behind yeah. and I'm not distraught suddenly that like, oh man, I felt behind. Now I got to catch up and do like five days worth of reading <sighs> in one day. That is hugely helpful. So I'm going to recommend that as you're thinking through this, find a plan that will get you through the Bible systematically bit by bit, but make sure that you've got some sort of grace built into it. Like I said, discipleship Bible reading plan is great for that. He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth are two great Bible reading resources. Their plans all have a weekly grace day built into it. Those are super, super helpful. So yeah, you can Google those and find those. I have an anecdote about this. So years ago, uh, I was in a similar situation where it was actually, it was a, a thing in the youth group. Oh, yes. Um, if we were the OG VIPs, <laughs> the dumbest thing I've said so far, <laughs> there was kind of like this unique one-on-one kind of discipleship situation. Um, and obviously, unsurprisingly, Bible reading was a part of that program. Mm-hmm. And, and we, there was a lot of freedom in, in what we would choose. Right. And yeah. I chose Isaiah. <laughs> oh, man. Woof, Because I'm like, that's a cool name. <laughs> I didn't really have any context of what I would discover. Guess who got behind? That's me. Um, (laughs) So far behind that I like pretty much had gone the entire month. (laughs) I just, I just dropped the ball. I'm like, yeah, it's there. And I am not even kind of catching up at this point. Basically over half of it left. Yeah. And boy, it was coming time that I would have to report my failure. (laughs) But now this is where it gets weird. Um, I had to go to a funeral in a different state this is a Pittsburgh funeral, well, I don't know, Pennsylvanian funeral. Mm-hmm. Extended family member that I did not know and to this day, do not know. I have no idea where that connection existed. Uh-huh. But I'm in the parking lot for like a long time. Like I think, I don't know if we were waiting for something to happen or waiting to transition into another part of the situation. I don't not even yep. know how to talk about it. But we were in the, in the, in the, in the old Jeep for hours. I kid you not. And I'm like sitting here desperately catching up. So (laughs) don't be like me and sit in a funeral home parking lot, desperately catching up on an entire book of the Bible. Because guess who didn't have grace days? Your boy had no grace days. All that to say, uh, I support this message. (laughs) So the lesson of the story is don't, don't be, don't, 
Don't we try to catch up on Isaiah? It wasn't a good time. If you <laughs> couldn't tell, it was a, it was a bad time. It was, oh man, that's funny. Yeah. That's a good story. I didn't know that. I've Stuck never heard with that. Me. Seems quite memorable. <laughs> yeah. Here's the next thing that maybe this sounds obvious, but I don't know that it is necessarily. Make sure you choose a good yet readable mm-hmm. Bible translation for your plan. If you happen to only, I don't know that anyone is in this situation, but if you happen to be in a spot where all you have is a physical copy of the KJV. I have no qualms with the KJV necessarily, but man, you're going to have a hard time with that if that's what you're doing for your reading. You're setting the bar high. Yeah. So get a good yet readable translation. And what I mean by that is you want a translation that's going to be as faithful to the original text and language as possible. That Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew, am I? Greek, Aramaic and Hebrew. Yes, that's correct. Greek, (laughs) Aramaic and Hebrew. Man, woof. But one that is readable and isn't too wooden. So Did you e- say wooden? Wooden, yes. That was very descriptive. Yes. I like everything yeah. that that sentence um, does for me. Yeah. One example of a translation like that is the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Oh. Great translation. Again, our very own Marion Weller is a big fan of the NASB. That she is, prefers it. That's the only advocation I need. Yeah. Problem is, is it, the translation is so wooden because it, it tries to be so literal. That's the problem. Take and it that becomes, back. <laughs> you take that back. She likes it. <laughs> she comes into my office. She's like, oh. And then, she, you know. She says something very it's precious. very sweet and, yeah, precious. And, but, um, but anyway, yeah. Along those lines, you could read like the ESV. Mm-hmm. That's a great mm-hmm. literal translation, but very readable. The 1984 edition of the NIV. Why? So the NIV has had some updates in the last decade <laughs> plus that are very, they're just not preferable. Okay. They, it gets more... I don't know how to describe it. They take out some of the, how do I even describe it? It's just not as good. Um, (laughs) Inferior. It's trying too hard to be modern, I think, without being modern. And it it makes some translation decisions Mm. that it shouldn't make, which gets into a much more complicated thing that we could, that's again, that's another whole podcast. But there's there's a general favoring of the 84 edition. Yes, if you can have that, if you can find it. Or the HCSB, Holman Christian Standard Bible, is another great readable kind of um, literal-ish Bible. Great translation. Point being, tangent, right? Find a good readable translation Mm -hmm. that you'll be able to follow along with as you're going through the scriptures. The NLT, I think at one point when we were in high school, you had, you yes, had an NLT you I carried did. around. And in fact, it was the one I read at the funeral home. <laughs> of course, the exact same one. Yep. Translations like that are good. They're much more what we'd call functionally equivalent. So they're trying to capture the thought more than the actual verbiage yeah. and word structure. So they're fine. I just don't recommend them for personal study because, again, they're making translation decisions that may or may not be accurate or reflective of certain theological traditions that okay so that's you just got to keep that in mind if you're going to read the nlt or even the message i like the message i don't mm-hmm. i used to be one of those posers that was like i hate the message blah blah blah, blah, blah. but the message good you just got to be really aware that, yeah. of what you're getting into Context. when you're reading it so there's that another thing is you should probably be involved with the community Ooh. that treasures the scriptures and here's the big kicker a community that wants to go after what the text means, not what they think it means. You That's follow a, me? Yeah. Like you've been there, right? Like been somebody's there. like, what does this mean to you? Oh, wrong question. <laughs> that, that, you know, that question is very clarifying and it clarifies to me that this is not the group I want to be in. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing. 
you were not designed to understand all the scripture on your own. You have the Holy Spirit as your helper. Yes, there are lots of great resources out there for you to consult when it comes to the scriptures. I recommend a good study Bible even. Those are helpful. And like the ESV study Bible, super helpful. But, you know, the same Holy Spirit that gives you insights into a passage of scripture is also giving someone else insights into a passage of scripture. So God may reveal to me details of a passage that are true to its meaning that he might not reveal immediately to you mm-hmm. and he might do vice versa. There might be something you see and you're like, man, like, what about this? I'm like, wow, golly, I hadn't even considered that before. Yeah. So being in that community will help you dig more deeply into the scripture. So at Horizons, that would be getting involved in a community group, being present, you know, on Sunday mornings with your campus to um, hear the Bible preached. Mm -hmm. But also, it does reinforce this idea that there is a meaning to the text, and it's not arbitrary. So, you don't get to decide what it means for you personally. Yeah, You get to decide how it applies to you personally. Mm -hmm. There are applications you can make, but you don't get to decide, oh, this is what it means. I don't get to redefine it. To me, right, yeah. Both the author and God working through that author had an intent Mm. that they meant when they were writing that. So, like, the way I think some of us tend to accidentally, for lack of a better term, treat Bible reading, no one would want to be treated that way if they wrote someone a letter. You know, like if I wrote you a letter and I was, I came back to you like a month later, I was like, hey, man, what do you think of the letter? You're like, well, what it meant to me when you said, (laughs) um, you know, can you go and pick up this thing for me? What that meant to me was I needed to go into my room. And I just needed to pick up the weights in my life and just, you know, I, I don't know, like, I'm be like, no, dude, like, I wanted you to, like, go yeah. run that, like, could you go do that errand for me or, you know, whatever mm. the case may be. You wouldn't do that to your friends. Don't do it to God. Find the range of applications it can make to you with that community, but together with that community, try to discover what the text actually meant. And it also, I think, keeps you involved in scripture more, like, yeah. when you know you're going to be in it with a community. It's a bit participatory. Yeah. So that's another help. Incorporating journaling is another, I think. And the reason Hmm. I say that is you don't have to have a specific practice, quote unquote, right? There is no wrong or right way to journal necessarily. As long as you're doing something that helps you remember, clarify, and apply, Hmm. journaling helps you do that. Like if you have to write out, okay, here's what the text seems to mean, and here's how it could apply to my life. That is much, much better for you than just having vague thoughts in your head about, yeah, that's true. Here's what could it be. Um, Does that make sense? It does. I mean, That's applicable not just here, but I mean, like, I'm thinking, like, you're a graphic designer, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, what's the difference between a vague idea in your head and then... That's... Okay. See, I was a little bit skeptical of this point. Not that I distrust you. Right. But I just know this is is something that is, like, nicely dovetails with your personality type. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I'm less likely to do this Mm -hmm. uh, efficiently. But in a different context, it actually... I do understand it because if I'm working on something or simply doing some research visually, I rather than journal or take notes, I'm capturing images and a record of images yeah. that I can refer to, look back on, and kind of like pull techniques from. So in, in a way, it actually is very similar to to what I do just in a, in a different language. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, almost exactly what this is. I mean, it becomes a reference point for you. It's something yeah. to take the vague ideas that you can come back and reference exactly. yeah, yeah. and solidify. And however that works for you, I'm a little more in, you know, Ethan said, I'm a little more in depth with that. In fact, I, it's cool though. I just uh, I regaled him a couple weeks ago with this long tirade about how I was switching up my journaling practices, and I listened. I listened to entire podcasts on this people, entire podcasts, not just like on how to journal. I'm talking about podcasts on journal types and pencils. <laughs> now I do that sort of thing, you know, with with my things, <laughs> with Ethan's like with normal things. <laughs> 
<laughs> not in journals and pencils. But that kind of practice, even if it's not like you have a journal and a you know a pencil. I mean, even if it's you, you have a note card and you write down a verse and you're like a prayer or something that like here's how I can this truth might change my life today. Mm-hmm. Even something like that, just something to help you get it from out of the vague realm of your head into a concrete referenceable that is it forces you but yeah (laughs) yeah it forces you to put it into words yes um rather than to just hold it in your mental cloud yes precisely precisely and so like what you were saying like what you do kind of with your with the graphic stuff is having that catalog of things to go back from and draw inspiration from and remember and and also you know i'm sure for you works the same way you have a catalog of seeing where you've come as far as like with your work even you know like oh man like where i was four years ago is so different from where i am today and you wouldn't guess that because you're only seeing the changes incrementally day by day. Yeah, very true. I pulled open one of my journals from like four years ago um, <laughs> last week, and I was like, holy crap. Like, I'm glad I'm out of that. <laughs> Gee, many Christmas. What's wrong with that guy? So that is a help. Again, not a law, not a rule. It's a help as you're reading scripture. And here's the final bit that we're about out of time. We're probably way over time, actually, honestly, on a podcast episode like this. But here's the, I think this is the most crucial part of any Bible reading. Expect to meet with God when you're doing that. And I don't mean that the, you know, the clouds are going to separate and the rays of light are going to come down and you're going to have a vision of the seraphim and you're going to fall like Isaiah and be like, you know, what was me? I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm going to die. But expect that that prayer, that Jesus prayed in John 17 when he asked the Father to sanctify his people in the truth and then said, your word is the truth. Expect that to happen. And it may, like I said, it may be in just the normal, like ordinary way that you think, man, I did not realize the kinds of things that Jesus has done for me Mm. and how that empowers me to live. So, one quick anecdote example of how this has played out in my life recently, and then we'll we'll, we'll cash out unless you have anything else to say. But uh, I was reading... In Isaiah, what? enough recently to prepare for my community group. We've been going through Isaiah for the Advent season, and I was reading in chapter 53, one of the most famous chapters in Isaiah, and it's about the suffering servant. And that's the passage where we're told this servant is going to come and he's going to bear our griefs and he's going to be the man of all sorrows. He's mm. going to be punished for our iniquity and his wounds are going to bring us peace and healing. I mean, all these things. And I was kind of overwhelmed by the truth that, like, I know I rehearse that truth pretty regularly, Mm -hmm. but just reading that again, I thought, wow, my gosh, I cannot believe that those are the kind of things that Jesus would endure for someone like me. And then at the end of that chapter, it talks about how he makes intercession for the transgressors, right? Which is kind of like this, like, you know, everyone remembers the first half and then right at the end, he makes intercession for the transgressors. Well, then I was thinking about that prayer he utters in John 17, where Jesus is praying. It's the high priestly prayer, John 17, and he's praying for his followers, not just the ones that are with him right there. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm praying for all who will one day believe in my name. Mm-hmm. And so you, if you go and read John 17 right now, that is the kind of prayer that Jesus prayed for you, not just for his, I mean, he prayed that for you, mm-hmm. knowing that you would come to faith in him thousands of years later. But here's the thing. It would be mind boggling if he had prayed that prayer once. But what Isaiah 53 revealed to me, I mean, I knew this, but it's just like it jumps out to you and God meets with you in this whole new way. He's doing that continually. He makes, he lives to make intercession for the transgressor. So that isn't just the kind of prayer he prayed once. He's praying that kind of prayer constantly for you. So he's doing that, right? Like you think your prayer life is weak? It's okay. Like, 
<laughs> like you don't know what to pray. It's okay. Pray knowing that he's praying a yeah. John 17 kind of prayer for you right this moment. I had just, That's like, heartening. wow. Yeah. Like that was heartening. And God really fortified and comforted my heart through that in a way that you just cannot experience unless you're in the word and expecting to meet with God mm-hmm. and understanding that there will be times when you have what we, you know, Christians so often like call dry seasons where it's like, man, this seems like a labor of not even love. It just seems like a labor, <laughs> you know? Um, and again, you read through a book like Lamentations, you understand that's yeah. not abnormal. Mm-hmm. David, Jeremiah, all the prophets pretty much at one point or another went through a moment where they're like, where's God? And uh, why have you forsaken me? But they were willing to take that to him and continue yeah. to go to him and expect. In the words of Job, okay, all this has happened. Well, I know my Redeemer lives, though, and I will see him on the face of the earth. So we keep pushing on. So anyway, those are some practical helps to think through as you prepare to plan out your Bible reading for 2019. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they were helpful. I don't know. You got any final Hopefully any you do better than me this Advent season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, grace days, man. We just gotta we gotta, yeah. we gotta tr- chop out some grace days. For True. This, chop out some grace days for this boy. I'll tell you what. So if you again, as always, if you have any questions, podcast, rustandsearch.net, yes. social media, five star reviews mm-hmm. on iTunes. If you found this helpful, if you didn't, there's no need. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't review bombs, please. <laughs> Oh, as always, uh, we're uh, we're glad to spend this time with you, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.